Welcome to the Relief Podcast, adding joy and comfort to your day. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer of the Akron Art Museum. Hi, and I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, the Museum's Curator of Education. And Seema and I are together today, (laughs) pun intended, today we're talking about togetherness. Yes? I love it. That's right. We are together. We also love a pun. If we can get alliteration in here. (laughs) Yes, we are here for the cheesiness. Togetherness isn't always cheesy right? No, and we were talking earlier about this, but sometimes things come out of something, right? Like togetherness can, I mean, a little bit cheesy, but that's probably because cheesy also has those kind of connotations of warmth and happiness. I don't mind a little bit of funny stuff if it sounds like you might come out of something. The thing I always think of with cheesy togetherness is when we think about like your buddies or, you know, like we're chums. Those are like kind of cheesy togetherness, but a like happy yeah absolutely it's sincere right and I think it's something people have been missing for so long actually being together and I've been really delighted to see how people have fostered that togetherness over the last couple of years and not just together with people but places versions of yourself right so yeah there's lots of inspiring ways to stay connected I think yeah it's true I think you were saying like kind of finding connections to spaces and places too as a form of togetherness I try not to be, uh, you know, overly creepy when I see visitors in the galleries and almost stalk them, but I do like to watch what they're doing. And it's interesting because I will see somebody and walk into our galleries and they'll see something maybe that they remember it before COVID and they're they're like, you can see them, they go, oh, it's here. Yeah, like, oh, hey, old friend. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it is a sort of chummy togetherness that I hadn't sort of thought about. Um, My favorite togetherness at the museum right now is the way that I see people together in our spaces, though. Like, a couple will come up and I see them and like a cu- they're talking about something or they're in open studio open studio brings out some real fun togetherness stuff because I want to use those beads or that thing and they're like kind of you know doing stuff together um and that's kind of really fun to watch there's something very these are like things that are just coming to me right now but I hadn't thought about how much it makes me happy when I see people together who are not me like I'm from the outside of the togetherness I'm not one of the chums here exactly yeah, I ha- I saw a mother and child come into Open Studio just last week and they were using it as like their special time because the older sibling was in school. And so they needed an activity for just the two of them to like make a memory and spend some time together. And they chose to come down to the museum. And I was just like trying not to be so overly enthusiastic and inserting myself into their lives. But it was so sweet to see them taking that time. And we, it was a few years ago, we even did a study about what people wanted to do at the museum. And I think I don't know what the actual data point was, but mostly people wanted to spend time with each other. Like, that's why they were coming, which is just, I don't know, that's really inspiring to me because I'm like, oh, okay, that's why we're here to help these people make connections and make memories. I mean, that's what I want to do at museums. That's what I kind of want to do in general in life. There's a meme on TikTok that shows people doing kind of weird things like standing at the beach or cooking dinner. And the meme is about this is a core memory. We're making a core memory. And the sort of, I think the underlying the, the meme is that you never know what that memory is going to be. You don't know like 25, if you think about like being five years old, what things stick, you know, like it's not 
often the monumental moments, it's those surprising, like the ones that are just like nothing. I went to the grocery store, I, you know, whatever it is. And I think about how many people probably have these core memories of things at our building that had nothing to do with like, it weren't a big, they weren't a family day, though those are wonderful. They weren't an exhibition opening, also wonderful, but they were just being with their friend on a Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, think the artwork that we're talking about later is literally stitched together, you know, and the idea that something is tying these experiences together or it's making such an impression on you that it's sort of woven into your memory or your experience. Um, and it's so, I mean, it's really, truly such a privilege to be a part of that for somebody else. Yeah, and to watch it creepily, like you said. <laughs> Now nobody's ever going to see us in life and want to come here. Um, you know, you also, the stitching of the work and thinking about the idea of bringing things together. The word concordance, um, you know, is really about two chords coming together and people being in concordance. And I think there's a lot of like art historical works that talk about concordance or, you know, the justice just of bringing two things together. But concordance is also a great kind of concept for just like living life, you know, that we could create an environment that allows for concordance between two people. Because you just don't know what that is. Like if I was cooking, Gina knows this, but maybe our listeners don't. I have a great fear of not picking out the food people will like. I hate the idea of, you know, like hospitality, I find incredibly stressful because I want everyone to be happy and to have the thing they want. And it's always a, a stress of mine. But for the museum, we have to create concordance or create this hospitality for all sorts of people that we'll never talk to. It's not like I'm ordering dinner for uh, people I could actually call. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I was talking to some students recently about how artists do that also, but with materials, how they bring together these things that we would never consider putting together. It's not just subjects like what they're making artwork about, but just using material in a different way and putting two things together. It's like somebody who's really good at fashion or dressing. And you're like, I would never choose to like wear those gloves with that sweater or whatever it is. I don't know. Artists show me that all the time, like what works together or the power of putting two things things together that I would not have even considered. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about like, we have a Law Wilson, we have a number of works by her, but Law Wilson, every time I look at it, I was like, it's just funny to me that she walked into a space and she was like, rosary beads and glass, let's make an artwork or whatever. <laughs> like, we're con I'm constantly sort of surprised by that. Or Ella Natsui, you know, that he looked at these, the tinfoil on liquor things and he was like, that is what I'm making art out of. Right, right. Like, yes, I'm going to combine these things into something more than, you know, what's the saying, like more than the sum of their parts. Um, and artists are pros at doing that. I mean, it's really what they do. They transform things. So I love to be a spectator to that. I do that maybe like a little bit in the kitchen. I don't know, like throwing, uh, throwing dinner together in like eight minutes, maybe. But uh, yeah, I love seeing how artists combine materials together. You know, you just said fashion and you talked about kitchens. One thing I don't know if people realize is everybody has a sensibility, right? They don't know what they are about. My mother is, I don't think she even like thinks about what she's looking at. She could go to a store and pick out like the best clothes. Every time for like, Where'd you get that? Oh, wow, look at you. And she's just one of those people. Or there's people who just can go to the store and they will get all the right food. They pick the right apple. They pick the right pineapple. I think that actually that also humanizes because the other togetherness, that I think we are very good at togetherness between people who knew each other who came in. I think we're pretty good at togetherness like at a family day between families that didn't know each other. But one togetherness I wished we could foster more is the idea that the visitor is together with the artist. You know, I think there's like a divide between them. But if you think about 
about it that you have some sort of sensibility. You're good at something. And the art is as good as this thing you're looking at. Right. Yeah. And because sometimes they are so removed from it. Like some artists want it that way, right? Like they don't want their hand to be seen or, you know, like you don't see their brush strokes or whatever it might be. So they're sort of removed from it. But yeah, you are having a shared moment with that artist when you view their work, even if they don't know it at the time. Yeah, you're, you're really sharing something, which is why it's so great to have work in a public space where so many people can make a connection to it. And, you know, it, it is a different way in, than looking at the objects and things that we surround ourselves with in our homes, you you know? Yeah. And it's, yes, it's so different because what you get to choose that, right? You can like opt in to the things in your house, but you can't at the museum. You're sort of just what we put out is what you get to experience, but we don't get to tell you what to think. The thing about togetherness or like connecting with another person is you are making the choices of how you two connect. I mean, obviously that other person is helping it, but you do, you know, you do control yourself. And in reality, you get to control yourself in the galleries. You get to think something, have an opinion. Definitely. And what's, I think what's extra cool about contemporary museums is that you can actually sometimes connect with those artists in real time. Like we have a volunteer who every time we bring in something new or she sees an artwork that she likes from an exhibition at the museum, she'll be like, um, I'm following this person on Instagram and I'm following them on Twitter. And she'll like message the artist and all sorts of things. And they're not best friends or anything in every case, but she she can follow along with them in real time. And she'll be like, oh, this artist who was in that exhibition has um, an artwork that's in Pennsylvania. I think I'm going to go take a trip to see it because they saw it. Our volunteer would like see the picture that the artist posted in their studio. Like what? It's, that's I mean, awesome. it's really cool to be, have a window to that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like, so you're not only together with their thing, but you're together with them as a real person. Exactly. Yeah. This volunteer is way cooler than me. She follows so many things. I love it. We're all cool in different ways, right? Isn't that That's what you just said? <laughs> <laughs> sure. To me, the other thing you, that you said, I just want to say again, because I, I love that. Our art is made by real people, many of whom are still alive and they're in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I always find it fascinating. Like the one of the ones I think about is Ursula von Rivensgard, because she makes these sculptures where she takes, you know, you could sculpt wood in many different ways. I wouldn't necessarily pick it the way she does. Like she puts them on end, you know, like she's, there's, there were probably easier ways. And she made this choice and she just exists in real life. Like there is some right now, Ursula von Rivensgard could be right now sculpting wood at this very minute. And I find that just like, we are, it's like, it's almost like you are together with them without them knowing. Exactly. And now on to a little bit of art. Togetherness has taken on such a new meaning since 2020. We have missed the traditional togetherness, simultaneously rejoiced and tired of virtual togetherness, and finally now, perhaps, fallen into a strange new form of togetherness with comfort and unease riding alongside one another. This work by Sam Gilliam feels as though it holds the contradictions of this era all at once. Gilliam was a master abstract artist who sought to reimagine the abstract expressionism of the previous generation. While his predecessors mainly worked on canvas with oil or acrylic, Gilliam's media and techniques were much more varied. In a holistic way, though, Gilliam manages to join these technical aspects in novel and lovely ways. In the work Thursday, Gilliam employed two pieces of handmade paper, screen printing, and dye in his process. He then physically united these elements by stitching the two sheets together, creating a single work. What's more, Gilliam has played with the idea of togetherness here through color and composition. The sheet on the left of the work is a simple arrangement composed of a brown 
ground foreground with negative space seeping through. In contrast, Gilliam built the opposite image from reds, pinks, purples, blues, and greens, offering chaotic alternatives to the minimalism of the two-toned left side. Despite these varied colors, Gilliam uses a color palette that feels unified between the two sides. The negative space of the left becomes the underlying tone for the right, while the pinks and purples of the right seem to bring out the warmer tones in the negative space of the left. Compositionally, the two sides both possess a dramatic moment, an energy that seems to emanate from the bottom's right corner of each and shoot diagonally across. It's almost as if two sides are echoes of one another. The way a sun leaves an imprint on one's field of vision long after it's gone. And now to turn it over to Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin here. It's a joy to bring you today's shop talk with Cincinnati artist Terrence Hammonds. Terrence is featured in our More is More exhibition, but you can catch him all over. He's a printmaker by trade, but has been working immensely in collage, sourcing from old catalogs and the rich histories that can be found within them. Here, you can hear us chatting after a snowstorm that hit much of Ohio, but unlike the cold outside, our conversation stays warm and cheerful. Enjoy. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. It's um, nice to meet you virtually. It's um, nice to meet you as well. Yeah. Are you in Ohio? I am in Ohio. Okay. I, we're in the middle of a snowstorm. I don't know. If it's... Yeah. I'm in Cleveland. Where are you? In Cincinnati. Oh, okay. So you got it just as much as we did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you're um, staying warm and cozy today. And I really appreciate you taking the time to interview with me and all the extra stuff you've done with us. It's been my pleasure. Oh, good. I sent you the questions. Were you able to look over them? I, I was able to look over them. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't do much research on the piece. Oh, no. Honestly, um, we'll keep it conversational. This isn't research-based whatsoever. More looking for your reaction of the work and with the theme of the podcast. Well, um, if you're ready, I can just jump into the questions if that works. Okay, that works for me. What does the word together mean to you? I was thinking of togetherness and about connectivity and the core of all of that is caring and caring for for your fellow man or your family. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of my, my personal work is based around the idea of togetherness and extending a conversation about the complications that happen when, when people are together. <laughs> Right. Sense, yes. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to say to you, I apologize if you hear any snowblowers or my dog is currently sleeping next to me. So she wakes up and bark. I just want to apologize in advance. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I actually just came in from sledding with my kids and they're oh, having hot chocolates right now. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's the best kind of snow day. Yes. But I wanted to go off of what you said about together because I was just looking over your collage pieces and even just in the simplest sense of collaging and that like kind of forced togetherness that you're putting with these pieces that weren't together before, um, I think is really exciting. So I'm glad to have you for this topic. Our featured collection artwork this week is Sam Gillian's Thursday, which in itself has a lot of togetherness ideas, but I'm curious what your reaction to that piece was. So I guess my initial reaction is to the way that it was composed from uh, putting together, I believe, using fiberglass tape to put pieces of canvas 
together and then make the image for the silk screening. I also, in my work, take patterns and images from different parts of history, cut them up, rearrange them to make and force them together either uh, in a pattern or to tell a different story. And I feel like with this piece, Sam Gilliam is doing the same thing, but telling it with color and pattern and texture. Yeah, your work that's in our More is More exhibition, um, the wallpaper. I was with uh, my coworker, Seema, who was telling me more about it. And is it Betty Crocker catalog or no, Mary oh. Kay or Avon or something? Avon. <laughs> so, Which surprised me. Can you elaborate on that more? Because yeah. that was something, a piece of history I never knew about. Yeah, absolutely. So the pattern that is uh, in the Moore's, Moore's More, it is based on a pattern from the plantation where Gone with the Wind was filmed. But inside of that plant, inside of that pattern, I placed uh, silhouettes from the first how-to book on breakdancing, which was published, and I believe in 1981 by, or I think it might've been 82, by Avon Publishing. Uh, and at the time, people were still being arrested for breakdancing yeah. in public. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting sort of complicated history of like where things go from being radical ideas to mainstream culture. Yeah, when she told me that, I was so fascinated because I had just assumed you had pulled it from albums or, you know, those kind of catalogs. But to hear it was from an Avon publication really threw me off because my grandma used to sell Avon products um, back in the day. <laughs> So it was really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Avon, I guess in the 70s and 80s was a really huge corporation that did cosmetics and the mail order cosmetics, as well as uh, they were a book publisher. So oh, you wow. could get your makeup and um, <laughs> learn how to break dance. At the same Apparently, time. I mean, I guess <laughs> it goes to hand people. in hand. They're definitely keeping people hip in the streets. Yes, <laughs> that's fantastic. So I'm going to actually pivot from these more discussion-based to just more lighter questions. Absolutely. So I'm curious, what is the first thing you do in the morning? The first thing I do is probably, uh, depending on what day of the week it is, I like stretch, I wake up, I uh, brush my teeth, and then I go talk to my wife who's probably doing yoga and she's been up for like an hour. Oh, um, she's a school teacher. And, um, and so, and then we talk about like our crazy day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you said you have kids, so are they up at this time too, or are they sleeping? Um, if we're lucky, they are not. But, <laughs> uh, funny enough, my son sleeps in like every school day, weekday, and then the weekends he's like up at six. Like, wow. I mean, I guess when you have the autonomy not to go to school, you know, that's yeah. hilarious, though. That's really something you wouldn't expect from a child. It's true. So, yeah. <laughs> So you kind of take the day in and kind of regroup with your wife. Yeah, and... I am really not a morning person. So I oh, really? slowly, I make some coffee. <laughs> I, I help get the kids dressed and then they leave. And then I prepare for my day, either working in the studio or teaching at the Art Academy. Okay, awesome. Well, sorry to hear you're not a morning person, but I'm glad you get to take it slow. <laughs> yeah, no, I love, I mean, I love the morning, but I take it super duper slow. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like after, you know, a couple shots of espresso, I'm probably <laughs> human at like eight. Right. A little bit functioning, depending yeah, on. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, fun I'm full on functioning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's good. That, I'm, I'll bet you. <laughs> I love it. 
and totally unrelated, but what are your three Desert Island studio needs? Okay, so this one kind of stumped me because <laughs> I am a printmaker. So I I normally, I need a lot of equipment. So a Desert Island is not the place for screen printing. Not at all. However, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> However recently, I've really been into collaging. So I would say an X-Acto knife, some sort of print media, and, um, and good paper. And when and you glue. say print, glue, yes. <laughs> so maybe more than three. I'll take it, though. Yeah, yes. <laughs> When you say print media, do you mean those like catalogs that you're sourcing from? Yes, yeah, okay. catalogs. I mean, uh, <laughs> if I'm really being picky, it would be like vintage life magazines from like the 60s. And the, and uh, I, I like the colors from like the, the 30s and 40s as well. So <laughs> yes, those if we're being are, picky. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you're on a desert island. I think you deserve to be picky. <laughs> No, I'll take that. And yes, I my BFA is in silkscreen printing. So oh, yeah, towards the end, I was getting really scrappy with like using newsprint and like the more basic materials to burn mm -hmm. my screen because it, it can be so labor intensive yeah, with the absolutely. materiality. Absolutely. Although I, for me, all of that is like super fun and oh, like yeah. finding different ways of making a stencil or like what can I push through a screen? What, yeah. Can, yeah, what can I use as ink? So yeah. I, I think that for me, those challenges are so much fun. On a right. desert island, however, <laughs> <laughs> maybe like watercolors and a sketch pad might be the way to go. Yeah, maybe but, some mono printing, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what's your favorite tool? And this can be all-inclusive, not just a studio-based tool, just oh. anything. Oh! <laughs> I know, I just expanded your world. No, just expanded, because I, I had a, I had an answer in the can, Ooh. which was an X-Acto knife. Okay. Uh, yeah, I used it all the time. Currently, I have, like, <laughs> Ooh. Well, just sitting here right at the desk, uh, ready to go at any point. Um, but... I feel like with it expanded, maybe, <laughs> maybe my iPad. Oh, okay. I'll take it. Yeah. Do, you, do you like SketchUp's on there or? I, yeah. Yeah. Organize everything. I feel like my whole life is sort of like, I would say my, my phone, but I don't like answering the phone, but like yes. all that information is on. Right. <laughs> yes. No, <laughs> or, that's great. You know, yeah. Or waffle iron. That might be my other favorite tool. For the studio or for food? No, for, for food. Are I you like doing it. like paninis or something in there too? Or uh, No, but I do do like a savory waffle, which is not a waffle at all, but it's like shredded potatoes and eggs and cheese and like, uh, you know, mushrooms and onions. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Shred it all up and like put it in the waffle iron and it gets all brown and yummy. <laughs> what? So you are expanding my mind. I have a waffle maker, but I'm always like, what do I do with this beyond waffles? So you just shred everything. Do you mix yeah. it all up in a bowl and then pour it in or do you layer yeah, it? Yep, yeah. mix it all up in a bowl with a, like one egg per waffle kind of thing. Wow. Well, yeah. I know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> Thank you. No worries. That's fantastic. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm getting off track here, but that sounds really good. I'm like drooling a little. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to switch to five or maybe, yeah, five this or that questions, which I haven't prepped you with, but maybe All you right. heard on the other po podcast. So old or new? Old. 
Hold. Half full or half empty? Half full. Okay. You seemed a little questionable about that. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on the day. Right. (laughs) Morning or night? Night. Night. Okay. Fast or slow? Ooh. Oh, it depends. Yeah. In the morning, it's slow, right? To answer that. I think I want it somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. Like a medium pace. Yes. Not too slow, not too fast. I appreciate that. I'll take that as an answer. <laughs> and my last one, based on the waffle answer, maybe I know, but salty or sweet? So one of my favorite things is like sea salt caramel <laughs> or like dark chocolate with a little sea salt on it. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to say salty. Okay. Yeah. Was it salty or savory? Um, Salty or sweet. Salty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I like that though. Yeah. Um, I do like sweet and I like the balance. Yes. But a little bit. Road kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) Same with the fast and slow. (laughs) (laughs) And then my last question for you is what is your silver lining? And this can apply to any way that you um, interpret it, how I ask it. But yeah, what is your silver lining? So my initial reaction, which is probably the cheesiest, is like my wife and family. When things are really hard, they're like, I feel like they're like my battery, the recharges. Mm-hmm. I, I can face any challenge if I have the, the three of them. Not cheesy but, at uh, all, I would yeah. like to <laughs> say. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I understand. And then, I mean... Honestly, I actually probably just get cheesier from there, which is like uh, the other silver lining is maybe just like hope and the determination of of others before me that have struggled more than I ever have and uh, made paved the way for me to enjoy the life that I do. And so I think the silver lining is hope and the generations of people who believed in hope before me. And to make it even cheesier and tie it back all together, togetherness. Togetherness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's really wonderful to hear because you're pulling from all these histories and that's informing your practice, but also your life and your family. I mean, cheesy or not, that's really wonderful. And it makes (laughs) me so glad to hear that for you. Since this will air in um, beginning of March, is there anything you would like to share additionally about any upcoming projects or exhibitions or where we can find you in the world if listeners are up to it? Well, I'm working currently with the Contemporary Art Center and they okay. are, I think it's safe by the time that this airs, that they are working on rehabbing their own museum. And oh. so there'll be all new artists and all new art in that space on, on the fifth floor. Oh, great. Yeah, so I've got a a few other things cooking, but I think that that's the only one I can mention now. Okay, no, that's great. We made this really quick. I don't want to eat up more of your snow day with your kids, but um, you are such a joy to talk to. It's really been lovely to have this brief conversation and interaction with you. I have the impression that everyone in Akron is like super rad and nice having conversations with you and Sima. Oh, well, thank you. I mean... I think because we're in Ohio with this weather in the winter, you know, you got to bring that joy in somewhere. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Terrence. I wish you nothing but the best with your day. And I hope to meet you in person in real life at some point. I would love that. (laughs) Okay, well, take care and enjoy your day. All right, you too. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Relief Podcast, an artful break from your day.